everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming is episode number 187. Hooray! Hooray. You weren't drinking this time. I wasn't drinking this time. I was moving my microphone though, which is actually probably <laughs> worse. So <laughs> one of these days, one, one of these days. days we'll just get it perfect. Um but uh, hey, at least we got rid of that annoying voice. What do we normally call it? Uh Paul. my conscience. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Paul's not with us this week um, and his voice isn't annoying um, <laughs> uh, he is uh, caught up doing real life stuff uh, he has a life unlike uh, myself my my life these days is just uh, playing games and cuddling cats what about yours Kieran? it's uh, trying not to sleep and playing games no cats for me though no cats for you unfortunately I, I can send you some if you will if you uh, wish. You know for a fact that my girlfriend would steal any cats that you bring over near her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just as a. So, we've got a. Not too much to talk about, but I think we've got quite a lot to say about the things we have. Yeah, definitely. So, um, let's do what we always do and talk about what we've been playing. So, Kieran, you have been playing. Um, well, you spoke about Yakuza early on in the year when Yakuza 0 came out, and they have now brought out... It's a re-release of the first game, I believe? Yeah, well, it's a full remake of the first game. Uh, right. The first game was a PS2 game. It was quite rough by... I mean, like all long-running series. It's, you know, a series that has spanned across like three generations of consoles now, so mm-hmm. naturally now if you went back and played the first game, it would look pretty rough compared to what they've done with the series since then yeah um, yeah so this one's built from the ground up in the yakuza zero engine and plays and looks a lot like that um right and it's i'm really enjoying it so far not quite as much as i like yakuza zero but i think that's just because they seem to have stuck very close like i didn't actually play much of the ps2 game but mm-hmm. they, it feels at least like they've stuck very strictly to a lot of the structure of that game. Right. So it's a lot more rigid of, you know, you're going to... There's a, lo- a lot more like one-on-one fights and one-on-two fights and stuff like that, which I believe is what the PS2 game did. Um, where you'd have like more fights against just one or two people, but they have a lot more health and they're a bit tougher. Right. Yakuza Zero went for more of a. You go into a fight and there'll be a handful of guys there, and then you'll maybe fight a boss towards the end of it. Um, and all of the they eventually kind of Yakuza Zero gets to the point where a lot of the areas are kind of all connected. So this one, being a kind of older style game, is very much like you fight a guy, and then stop, and then there's maybe some cutscenes and stuff like that, and then you fight a guy and you stop, and then. There's some open world stuff still where you go around and do sub stories, and that stuff is all basically the exact same as Yakuza Zero. But in terms of like that kind of structure of the main missions going like, oh, you fight a guy or two and then you move on to the next thing, Yakuza Zero is more of a case of you fight, you know, a room full of guys, and then they always had kind of cool animations between the areas that you were fighting. So when you beat the last guy, you would, you know, throw them through a door and then that unlocks the next room for you to go and fight through. Um, Right. So this one still feels a little bit, you know, dated in that way, that kind of structure. 
but overall it's still really good like the combat is the yakuza zero kind of upgraded combat so it's all very fluid and very you know fun to do <laughs> i found with yakuza zero that i never really ran away from any random encounters and stuff like that because you, you there's not quite random encounters but you know there's when you're running around the open world there'll be enemies there that you can fight right and i never really ran away from any of those just because i enjoyed the fighting so much and i kind of think this will probably end up being the same as well right so i'm enjoying it so far not played a massive amount of it but it's good uh the story is it starts like really dark compared to yx zero yx zero is quite light-hearted for the most part Um, yeah but i do love the way that like yes here is my first kind of real you know entry into the series and the first time i finished one of those games and really enjoyed it but the thing i love about that series so far at least is that it balances that kind of like dark gritty you know kind of mob crime story as you're you know you know, the Yaksa murdering people and extorting people and beating people up and stuff like that. And then there's just really dumb stuff as well that's really funny. <laughs> and it's just like this weird, like, you know, one minute you'll be doing a mission where someone murders someone and you're trying to cover up and then next mission you're going, oh, by the way, if you play bowling enough times, you get to hire this chicken as a manager for your retail stuff. And it's like, that's weird. <laughs> and they'll be like, yeah, this chicken's called Nugget. And it's like, what? No. You can't, you can't call a chicken nugget. That's not... Uh... But that was yes to not... zero, at least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kiwami, I've not done... To... I've not really got to the point where the world kind of opens up yet. Right. To do the side stuff. Yeah, I... I did check out the, the trailer that they had for it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, like you were saying, it does seem a lot darker. Yeah. That definitely so, seems how they're billing it. Yeah, so it it kind of seems that, you know, from what I've seen of Yakuza 0, the the, the games tend, tend to have taken, or it looks like they've taken a, a more lighter path for, as the games have progressed um, and the further the series has went in. I think it's more they've just found a better balance of it, because Yakuza right. 0 still has some really dark stuff. Like, one of the there there are two plot lines in Yaxa Zero that are going because you play as two different characters and one of them is the story of someone who has been essentially kind of you know kicked out of the Yakuza trying to get his way back in by doing an assassination contract on a blind woman and so it's really dark and then <laughs> you know also he runs a bunch of nightclubs and that's really silly and fun so they, they find a good balance of that kind of stuff yeah, and that character's in Yakuza Kiwami because he was in apparently in all of the Yakuza games pretty much. He was called Majima, right? But they introduced this new uh, mechanic into Yakuza Kiwami, which is called uh, it's called Majima Anywhere, which is just means that you'll be wandering around the city and then Majima will just show up and fight you. And right. Some, sometimes you'll be in like a costume or something like that, so you'll be walking up and like a policeman will turn around and it's just Majima in disguise and he'll start fighting you. Um, 
or uh, the one I've seen so far is you're walking down the street and he'll just burst out of a manhole on the ground <laughs> and just start attacking you. It's just so like cartoony and bizarre compared to the rest of the game. So right. I think that's one of their ways of trying to introduce a bit of the silliness that the rest of the series got into the first game again. Uh-huh. Um, but that stuff's really cool so far. I'm enjoying it a lot. Maybe not quite as much as Yaxa Zero so far, but... Uh, it's nice at least to see where the series kind of came from having not really experienced much of that until you know EX is zero yeah yeah, yeah. Um, oh no cool it, it does seem you know it is a little dark I'm glad they're, they're lightening it up because uh, most of my experience with those characters comes from the the Project Cross Zone series yeah. And though uh, the two main characters are the the the, the funniest, yeah, it's like just like two bumbling buffoons, <laughs> you know, and they get into the middle of stuff, and it's like, did you really have to punch a hole in the zombies? Like, well, you know what my dragon punch is like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is just really silly dialogue, um, yeah. and yeah, so I, I think it would be cool to kind of see the the darker side on or the origins of that as well. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Excellent. Uh, so, I haven't played much uh, in the way of video games this week. Uh, I, I've been I've been putting that bloody stupid adventure capitalist on, which doesn't really count. That's almost um, a game. It's almost a game, yeah. Game-like. <laughs> game-like, yeah. Game adjacent. <laughs> Yeah, it's like um, it's the equivalent of uh, going to a game shop and you know sticking your nose in the up against the window and licking the the poster of a game or something. I don't know. Um, so I haven't got uh, uh, video games to talk about. So we'll just move on to you've been playing a couple of things uh, for both of us anyway, uh, and you've been playing the new Mario and Rabbids game on Switch as well. Yes, uh, so Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which is uh, weird <laughs> to say the least <laughs> um, it's, yeah it's weird it's a RPG a strategy RPG where the rabbits are in the Mario universe and their mere kind of presence there has fucked it up right um, like the kind of base plotline of it is that some kid invents a pair of goggles that will combine two things together with his intention of like solving you know the energy crisis because he can make you know clean energy by fusing together plants and you know batteries so that you know plants just become batteries and you get all this magical energy right and then the rabbits show up and steal it and instead, the rabbits have their weird time machine that they've had in previous games, which is you know just like a, a washing machine. Mm-hmm. I think they describe it as a, uh, it's a washing machine tumble dryer, uh, time machine combo, <laughs> and which is basically just a washing machine with a, a flux capacitor taped to the side of it. <laughs> right. Um, they show up and. F- accidentally well they steal the goggles and then accidentally fuse like a poster of Mario to their time machine and you know kind of destroy the Mario universe that way right and so you're going through the game playing uh, fighting against a bunch of rabbits that are all rabbits combined with things 
Uh, a lot of them are. It's weird. A lot of them are like dressed like Ziggy Stardust, which is strange. <laughs> uh, and they're all called Ziggies. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, but then you're you form a party, so you have like Mario and Luigi. So far, I'm quite early on still. I've beat the first world, so I have Mario and Luigi, and then I have Rabid Peach. It's just a rabbit that's dressed like Peach. Right. And Rabbit Luigi, who is just a rabbit that's not even really dressed like Luigi. He has a Luigi hat, but he's just wearing like a big, you know, green hoodie, basically. Right. Um, which is kind of weird. Uh, but then, like, the game itself is basically a really simplified XCOM game, which is bizarre because it means, like, Mario has a gun. Right. Which is kind of weird. But you get over it pretty quickly. Um, but you go into battles with just three of your uh, teammates. And I think Mario always has to be there. So a team of Mario plus two others, basically. Right. And all of them have different upgrade trees and they have different weapons and they all you know play slightly differently. So they you know work together as different classes, basically. And it's quite interesting because, like, they, the way they kind of simplify it from the XCOM formula is smart for the most part. Like, they, they get rid of the worst part or the most annoying part of XCOM. The whole, hey, I've got, like, a 95% chance to hit this guy, but it misses every time kind of thing that XCOM has right. always had. Yeah. Yeah, so you have... If an enemy is not in cover, or if you flank them or something, you have a hundred percent chance of hitting, and it shows up as a percentage. It shows you that it's still got that kind of thing. If they are behind half cover, you have a fifty percent chance of hitting them, fifty percent percent chance of hitting the cover. If they're behind full cover, you have a zero percent chance of hitting them. But sometimes it's still worth taking that shot anyway, because most of the cover is destructible. Right. So, if an enemy's behind full cover, sometimes it's worth just taking a couple of pot shots at them anyway to destroy their cover. So the next turn, you can either force them to move, or shoot them a hundred percent chance of hitting. Right. Uh, which is quite cool. But then, of course, the opposite also counts to you. So, any of your characters that aren't in cover will have a hundred percent chance of getting hit by the enemy. Right. And then they add a bunch of stuff to make it more. To like increase the maneuverability of all of your characters. So everyone can move quite far. And then everyone has a slide attack that you basically move. When you're in your move phase, you select an enemy that's within your move radius and that does a slide attack on them. But then you can keep moving after that. And it's not like, uh, it doesn't like update your move radius to be like, oh, well, you've hit this, so now you can move, you know, this many squares from this guy that you're hitting. You just Uh have your full move radius you had before. So if you're behind cover, you could totally run out, slide attack someone, and then just run back into cover again all in one go. Oh, right. So, yeah, I get what you're saying about it being, it's, it's kind of like XCOM light. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Alright. Yeah, so it's definitely a bit easier and stuff like that, but it's got 
like mechanics like that are really cool and then it's got things like uh, another thing you can do is if you're moving and you move on to the same spot as another person in your team you can jump off of them which lets you move even further so alright okay that one actually does update your move radius so if one of your teammates is on is on the furthest possible square you can move then if you move on to that same spot you can move further because they'll kind of punt you across the the map a bit right and uh, Mario has an ability that lets him land on enemies and do some damage that way because Mario jumps on people's heads that's what he does of course Um, and it's it's just cool it's, you end up doing a lot of things in a turn so you have this thing where and I, usually fights don't actually last that long they'll last like maybe 5 or 6 turns at most right like for the bigger ones and that's usually just because in one turn you're moving slide attacking an enemy who is you know in range then bouncing off a teammate to move further then shooting someone and then slightly later on you start up you start unlocking different unique abilities as well for each of the characters so uh, Mario and Luigi both have a what's the equivalent of XCOM's Overwatch mode Right. So when anyone moves, when they have that on, they will take a pot shot at them, and because it still has the same percentage chance of hitting as you know the rest of the game, it means that you're going to shoot people as they come out of cover, and you have a hundred percent chance of hitting. So right. They balance that by meaning you do a little bit less damage rather than or less accurate, but still, it's like just a fun thing to have. And the rabbits all have the same kind of maneuverability as you, so it's really cool to, for example, to um, be have like Mario and Luigi both in their kind of Overwatch, and have a rabbit bounce off one of his teammates to get to like higher ground or something. Right. Because it means that rabbit's in midair, and then Mario and Luigi both get activated from their Overwatch equivalents. And just start shooting him out of there. <laughs> you get <laughs> rapid, just like, bur- just like exploding basically in midair, and you're like, "That's pretty cool." It's <laughs> a bizarre thing. Uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's a lot deeper than I expected it to be. Like, it's, right? You know, it is definitely simpler than XCOM, but there's a lot of variation in the enemies, for example. Um, right. There's some quite cool boss fights. Like I fought. Uh, it was one they showed very early on like it's one of the first things they showed uh, I fought a boss fight against a rabbit that had been fused with Donkey Kong so oh have, yeah yeah. so you have that giant rabbit that's sitting eating bananas wearing Donkey Kong's tie and that's pretty awesome it's actually a genuinely quite cool boss fight because it means the fight's completely different from everything else because you've got to you know he's doing kind of area of effect things that affect the whole arena that you're fighting in Right. So you've got kind of. It feels like more of a traditional boss fight than an XCOM game would usually have, which is quite nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then there's like it just it looks really nice. Like not even just for a Switch game. Like it just looks really nice. If this was on any other console, you'd still be going, like this is a pretty game. Uh huh. Like Ubisoft have pulled off something quite impressive with the relatively limited you know power that the switch has yeah um, and then the music's really good it's uh, Grant Kirkhope who did 
a bunch of rare games soundtracks, uh, like Viva Pinata and all right, okay. Uh, Pandro Kazooie, I'm pretty sure he did. All um, right, and it it sounds like you know he has a very distinctive style uh, of music that he does, and it's it's very similar to the stuff he has done before, but then also it has you know bits of Mario music, you know kind of traditional Mario themes and stuff like that, kind of mixed into it. And so it's just really good. It's it's this weird thing where they're just mixing together a bunch of stuff that you wouldn't expect to be mixed together or that Nintendo would allow to be mixed together. Right. You know, so you've got this game that is Mario with guns shooting rabbits and also the music is like a mix of Banjo-Kazooie and Mario. (laughs) And it's like, what? (laughs) This is bizarre. Um, but it's really good and I, I definitely recommend people check it out uh, yeah I'm only in the second world so far but um, I think there's four worlds overall from the looks of it Judging right the stuff that's in the the uh, there's kind of like a hub area that you get to different worlds from right and how how long is it taking you to get through each of the worlds um, well, I got this on Monday I finished the first world like earlier today in my tram on the way to work, so you know, but I've been playing a decent amount. I don't know, a few hours, I guess. I'd say. Um, right. Like it, it seems like it's probably quite a decent length. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, Marion Rabbids. People should check it out, whether you like rabbits or not. Cool. Yeah, um, I did. It was one of the games that uh, was definitely pointing me towards the the Switch. It was yeah. like, right, okay, it does look like they're getting some decent titles, and it's not just the same rehash. Yeah, you know. So yeah, absolutely. I think, I think if we looked back at the E three podcasts, I seem to remember this being the game that we were all kind of like, oh, that's that looks. Like one of the best things they showed at E3. Yes. <laughs> it came out yeah. of nowhere. Like, it, well, it didn't come out of nowhere because it had been leaked like a long time ago. Basically, before the Switch came out, there had been leaks that basically no one believed because it sounded insane and not possible that there was going to be a Mario and Rabbids RPG. Uh huh. And people said it was a strategy RPG, and everyone was like, okay, so it'll be kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics ish. And then they showed it at E3, and they're like, no, it's XCOM. So if we gave Mario a gun, he goes into cover. He has a fifty percent chance of shooting someone. <laughs> it's like that's bizarre, and they pulled it off, which you know, good on them. Yes. Um. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. So, have you been playing anything else? Uh, yeah. The only other thing I've got here that I've been playing. I mean, I've been playing a couple of other things. Like, I've still been playing some StarCraft two and things like that, but. Not much to actually add on those from last podcast. Right. Because playing that co-op mode in StarCraft 2 is, you know, basically playing the same missions over and over, but, you know, you unlock more things that let you do different strategies as you go, but it is the same missions over and over and stuff. Right. Yeah. But instead, I started getting way further into the evil within. 
which is a game I've been trying to play for quite some time. <laughs> a number of years now. Yeah, it was like, I picked up the Evil Within not long after it came out, like the same year it came out, because it didn't sell super well, and then they, the, I've got like the special edition version of that, because Game was selling it for five or a few months after it came out. Yes. It has the one that came with the weird notebook and has like the weird holographic uh, image on the front of the box. Like I, oh yes. I have that one because game was selling it for super cheap because that game didn't do super well. And I played the, the first couple of chapters of it on PS4. Couldn't really get into it mainly because of things like the uh, the letterboxing, like the big giant black bars they had at the top and bottom of it which just really annoyed me. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. Um, then they patched those, they added a patch that let you um, turn those off. But on PS4 the frame rate got really bad if you turned them off. <laughs> like it was that thing where you turned you turned them off and then you realised why they were there in the first place. Like they were there because they couldn't physically render everything else in the game because it just was destroying the PS4. So I just didn't play any more of it. <laughs> Right. Um, but then I picked up a PC recently because I upgraded my PC recently. And as it turns out, something that I should have probably looked up before I actually bought it, the, P- the PC version is really poorly optimized. So it still didn't run very well. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, like most PC games, people have found different ways to tweak it and stuff like that to get the frame rate up and make it look nicer and things like that. So, right. I've been playing it at a kind of solid six frames a second. It looks real pretty. It's no no letterboxing, all that stuff. And I've got quite a bit further in it now. So I before I'd only kind of reached the first like I'd reached the village. The kind of it's basically like chapter two or three. I forget. It's like the first time you kind of meet someone again, basically, and then they give you a stealth thing and it ends in a boss fight with a dude with a chainsaw. Right. It's like one of the first things they showed of that game when they first announced it. And I never even actually reached the boss fight with the chainsaw on PS4. I kind of got to that point and the frame rate got so bad I was like, nah, I'm done. This is oh, wow. game's over. Um, <laughs> so on PC I finished all that stuff. Got through an R couple of levels, fought a bunch of invisible dudes, fought a giant spider lady... Oh yeah. Um, I'm. Oh, where am I now, actually? I think I'm still fighting some invisible dudes. There seems to be a lot of those. Oh, I know. I know. I'm. I'm in like a kind of sewer area now, with two companions. Right. Is the first time I've actually had you know kind of people, you know, with me in that game so far. Um, like if just how much of, did you finish the evil with them? Or did you... Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't finish it, no. Um, I, For the life of me, I think the last time I was... I think I just destroyed two massive dogs. Okay. So that still sounds further than where I am then. So I've not encountered any dogs. Right. Um, I did... like The, the last kind of big encounter I did was... Um, there's a kind of area that's... Uh, it's like a big atrium that has uh, the the woman th- from the start of the game, like your partner. Oh yeah. And she's trapped in a like glass case that's slowly filling oh, with water. 
Yes. And then yeah. waves of zombies start, or sorry, uh, whatever they're what do they Beasties. even call the zombies? Yeah, they don't, I don't even know what they call them, but yeah, waves of zombies start coming in, and it's where the game goes. By the way, not a stealth game anymore. Start shooting people, motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then I really like how they handle that because you know it becomes basically just an action game. You get a bunch of ammo. You're running around shooting people, and that bit's really fun. And then that bit ends, and you'll get kind of thrown into the sewer. And you realize, I just used all my bullets killing all of those waves of enemies. And yes. So it's a stealth game again now because I have no bullets left. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> it it tends to get through bits like that, and it's like the game. Uh, it it feels like it's tricking you. Yeah. It's like yeah you can yeah shoot shoot everything shoot everything, and then you get to the next. Uh, the next section, so a, a couple of levels from where you are now, um, you'll get to a point and you'll face a couple of guys and you think, right, my only way out of this is to shoot my way out. And you'll, you know, you'll expend all your ammo, you'll do really well, it's very satisfying. And then you turn the corner and then it's like, surprise, motherfucker, you should have <laughs> snuck past everyone else. Yeah. Um, I've kind of you... even felt that way with like the chainsaw guy early on because chainsaw guy early on is at the end of that whole village section and there's a bunch of enemies in that village section who I did stealth kill pretty much all of them. Right. But you could totally run through that and run and gun and you get the shotgun and the crossbow in that area. You basically get all of your weapons and run around and you get a decent amount of ammo. But there's this boss fight at the end of it and there's no ammo in that area with that boss fight. So. If you wasted all of your ammo killing the regular dudes before that, you're kind of fucked. Yes. Which I, it's neat. It's very survival horror-ish. Which yes. Is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the way that the what he's done this time is he's taken he's taken the the training wheels off. Yeah. And he's he's now fucking with you. You know. Yeah, you, It's just taunting you all this time. I think it's. Playing... Um, I've seen like a lot of people that are super into Evil Within and a lot of people who aren't and for a while I kind of was in the like I really wanted to like Evil Within and until now it's not really just clicked with me uh-huh. and I, the thing that I've seen lots of people say a, a lot of people that do like it a lot and that you know that I do like it now a lot as well is that you kind of have to take it at face value and accept that it is fucking with all of the tropes of the genre like it's yeah the bits that feel almost wrong when you're doing them are meant to that's kind of the point <laughs> it's meant yeah to, it's meant to be trying to trick you and be like you know you expect to play a resident evil game and about halfway through a resident evil game you have enough ammo and stuff like that that it kind of stops being a survival horror game and it kind of just becomes a okay shooter that's kind of yeah. how most of that series has worked and this goes, oh look, you've got to the point where you've got all the ammo, you've got some decent upgrades, you're just running gun guys. Great. Actually, no. <laughs> and it's just messing with you the whole time. Yeah. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm probably going to finish that game, I think. I want to try and finish it before Evil Within 2 comes out because that's out later this year and I, it looks really nice. I'm hoping the yeah. PC port's a bit better. Yeah. Did you get to the bit? I don't know if you got to the bit where you end up back at the hospital. 
Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, there is a bit earlier on that you're back at the hospital, but no, I don't yeah. know the bit you're talking about. Um, it it's basically it's kind of like the save system where you can jump backwards and oh, forwards. Right. Yeah, yeah, I've been in the, I've been in there and the like when you go into the broken mirrors and you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've been in there a few times. Yeah, but have you? There's one bit where it actually you you shoot back because you think I'm just going to save, but there's a bit of the story that happens. Well, um, I'm trying to be as very non-spoilery as possible. I don't think nothing major has happened in there. Um, there's right. been little bits here and there. Like I've come back sometimes, and then it's been like the the save game lady just hasn't been there, and then there's a little bit of. Have of, you been? Yes, looking around. Yeah, and but has there been any um, short soiling moments? Um, no, not yet. But I, I can see that that's. <laughs> it seems like that's where they're gonna go with it. Yes, yeah. So it does do that. Um, and it is. It's. It gets to the point where, which I thought was very, very good, because it gets to the point where you see the mirrors and you go, oh, "I don't want to save. I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's late at night. The wind's howling. The rain's hitting the windows in this house. I'm fine. I don't need to save. <laughs> I do think it's funny that. They managed to make in a game that is filled with you know creepy enemies sneaking up on you stuff like that and having to hide from them, and you know all this you know kind of creepy horror shit. One of the scariest parts of the game is the hub area that you are saving in. Yes. <laughs> even, even when not much has happened to me so far, it's still like it has really eerie music. The save game lady's quite creepy, and she does just kind of wander around sometimes, and you're like, what's going on? And sometimes you'll just go into the mirror and just not come in the place that you usually do and you're like wait is something gonna happen like is, is this yes and it's like no actually we just spawned you in a different room this time but you don't know that you're like oh fuck is something like if i come to a different place is this a trick and it's like no you still go and save it but you spawned a different room yeah uh, it, it is it's very clever yeah I, i'm enjoying it quite a lot so far and yeah i'm looking forward to playing more of it it's I, I don't know where the story is going to go. I've heard that the latter half of that game is a bit of a mindfuck, so I'm looking forward to that. Good. But, yeah, I there was some leaked footage of that second game that came out recently, and they have made that game look real pretty. Like, it is running on... Like, the first game looked alright anyway, mm-hmm. but... Like the new game is running on like the newest EdTech engine, like the one that Doom ran ran on, that kind of thing. Right. So it looks super pretty, which is part of the reason I'm playing this. I'm like, I need to play that second one because it looks so good. Yeah. So yeah, you both in for brand new releases here. <laughs> um, yeah. Good. That's all the video games I've been playing. Cool. So let's go on to the board games, Mike. Cool. Tell me about this war of mine. Yeah, so... Not the video game. Yeah. (laughs) So I backed this war of mine uh, last year, probably about this time last year. I can't remember when it was. Uh, Uh, Yeah, it was... Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I... 
it's taken a little while. They've had a couple of snags and things uh, for them to do the the shipment. Um, the shipment themselves, it delayed. They had delays of like three months from when they sent the first package out to, you know, every kind of me getting my package. Mm-hmm. Um, but all, all that set aside, um, it is a translation of the. The, the video game you've played this war mine uh i've not actually but I, i've seen a bunch of it before all right okay um, we did so, get it for free on playstation plus some point recently uh we did yeah uh, but i didn't play it <laughs> right um so i think quite a lot of people you know most a lot of people we know have played it um so you know you can safely say a lot of people that listen to the podcast have played it yeah. um and i imagine they're people that are not our friends that listen to the podcast have uh, playstation <laughs> plus anyway so but yeah it's a management game if you were trying to put it into a genre and you control three characters it starts with three characters during the war and the whole you know it is a war simulator it's mm-hmm. not meant to be nice and cuddly and cute and it's got some harsh things that happen to it my criticism of the video game felt it felt like um, a little bit like that bloody adventure capitalist that I'm playing in that <laughs> you know I was pushing buttons it was it, it is different and I'm not making fun of it but I would take the characters and I'd move them to a pile of rubble that needed digging and I'd hit the button and then you know a little timer would countdown and they would do what they were doing mm-hmm. um, I could then move to another character and get them to do something else and just occasionally you know it, something pops up in the screen oh you've got these items and it's like right okay well I store those and it was it was a management sim and it felt a little bit you know that this kind of gap between myself and the game if that makes any sense yeah, there was, there was this distance. Uh, the board game, however, is it's more tactile. So you've got the same house. You've got the house from the video game. So the the game has been developed in it, it, you know side by side with Eleven uh, Bit Studios, the guys the guys that made the video game. Mm-hmm. So you've got uh, the board is the representation of the house, and the pieces of rubble that you have to search through, the cupboards, the furniture that you can search through are cards that you deal face down on the board. Um, and the way that it works is each of your character, you've got three characters and the characters, uh, the game, like the video game, is split into phases. You've got day phases and night phases. Uh, thematically, during the day, characters stay inside the house because it's too dangerous to go outside and they, you know, they do their they're scavenging, they dig through the rubble, uh, they build improvements to the house, they make repairs to the buildings and things like that. How you do this in the game is you would, you've got, each character's got three actions. These three actions will take them through the entire day. And, you know, one of the actions can be to look in, look, uh, dig through the rubble. But to dig through the rubble, you either need a spade or you need two characters to do it. Okay. Um, yeah, so you can do the same things, and but what they've done is they've quantified. You know, so you've got three actions. 
Yeah. That, that's quite cool. And when you're digging through the rubble or you're doing some scavenging, you know, looking through the, the furniture or anything, you pick up the car, turn it over, and there'll either be, there's nothing there, but you've opened up the space so you can, you know, wander further through the house. Or there'll be something there and it says, you gain, um, you gain three components, uh, some water and an electrical part. So you, you put all of this in your storage, you have a storage area at the bottom of the board, and that's where you collect all your components. What you can do is you can build certain things. You've got a list of things on cards, kind of like a menu of things that you can build. Um, a lot of them are basic, so you can build a bed, for example. You can build a, a radio. Um, and what you can do then is you can also get ideas, and that those will improve those ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can you know you can build a better radio or if you build a a garden a herb garden uh, with more components and having an idea spending an action to get an idea you can improve that that herb garden to make it you know so it can grow vegetables as well for example um so it's pretty much the same as the video game yeah, still like a management. Yeah, but it because you you know you're actually moving the characters onto these spaces, you're turning the cards over, you're looking what's on them. That's it's more tactile, yeah. and it feels like you're actually achieving something. Whereas, like I said before, to me the video game felt like it was just pushing buttons. Yeah. The the meat of the game, however, is with the stories and the things that happen. So they have these um, reality events. I want to say reality check, but it's not that. I can't remember what they call them. Basically, the game comes with this book of scripts. Yeah. And it's a huge, huge book. And what you will do is you'd, you'd uh, reveal a card and it says something has happened in your world. And there's uh, various mechanics of how you figure out where to go in the book of scripts. Sometimes it will be uh, uh, every car, um, every choice you've got five choices, um, and they range to from being you know quite real. Some of them are quite brutal. Some of them are harsh, depending on. And they're all color coded. So the black ones, if I remember, are the they're quite harsh. The blue ones are okay, the green ones are okay, and there's another colour, I think the red ones as well, can be quite, you know, brutal and harsh as well. So you've got a deck of five cards, one for each of the colours, you pull one of those and you go, oh, I need to know, I need to uh, read a red event. And it will tell you maybe take the red event that's on this card or draw another card and get the red event from there and it's just a a, you know a number that you turn to and then you read what happens uh sometimes it's just a something that happens and then you go back to the game you continue doing your things it may give you a bonus it may things may happen Mm -hmm. um or it may have a little bit of choose your your own adventure style to it it presents you with a situation and then says to you you have to make a choice um 
you know, if you go left, turn to page 300. If you go right, turn to page one. That kind of idea. Do you want to help the villagers with their sheep or do you want to sacrifice their sheep to distract an enemy mech so you can get an extra mech? (laughs) Yes, that is it. Yeah, that's it. Um, But then, you know, each of those will have some sort of consequence as well. Yeah. Um, And the game is, once that starts to kick in, once you start getting these events, this is when the reality of what they were trying to achieve kicks in, that war isn't nice. Um, And sometimes the situations that you are put in, you can't afford to be nice yourself. Yeah. Um, so the the guy that uh, the designer who made this war of mine grew up in Sarajevo, I think it was during the war. Mm-hmm. So some of these things he'd seen happen and he'd heard the, the stories and he's turned it into this game, and they've now been put into the board game as well. And it's quite harrowing. I played I played the game uh, the first time and I got through a couple of rounds and it was. It was okay. Um, I just got the the mechanics and the feel of how everything works. I got through one event and it was a little bit harrowing, but it was fine. Next night, I said, "Right, I'm going to try and play through a game and see how far I get." Jesus Christ! I was. <laughs> it's really, really, uh, just mind blowing. The without trying to spoil much at all, I had. So you've got three characters. You start with three characters. You can meet other characters and they'll join your party. You can have a maximum of four people in a party. The game ends uh, with the main objective is you need to survive until the ceasefire. Now, the ceasefire, the way that comes about in the board game is there's chapter cards. Mm -hmm. There's three chapters. In between each of the chapters, I think there's a two or three event cards that you shuffle into the deck once you get to chapter three then you know you know oh this is it we're near the end and i think there's three ending events that happen and then it's the end of the game so if you manage to have at least one of your characters from the spot your starting party when you hit the end when you hit the ceasefire then you're successful in the campaign and you win the game cool yeah that's it so i thought this is what I'm going to try. I'm going to try and do that. Uh, I send two of my guys who are quite good at scavenging. So uh, you go the day phase where you do all the things, and then at night phase you go out scavenging. There's three locations that you can go to, and you go and you, you look for things. Sometimes you'll find something. Sometimes you will just spend time uh climbing stairs and the the building's badly broken so you're jumping between the gaps and things you find you find nothing but you waste time uh and the the way that they do that within the board game is that when you go to an event you say this place is quite close so you can look through 14 cards and when it says you turn over a card and it says you know you wasted time you have to return those cards back into the deck so you don't get to see them because you don't have time. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, and it's very clever the way that it does that. Yeah, it's quite neat way, doesn't it? Yeah, so you'll be doing things like that, and then sometimes you'll come across an event. And I was unfortunate enough to come across an event. I ran into a group of soldiers, um, 
and the soldiers were not to be reasoned with. They did damage to my guys. Um, so the option was to try and fight. I had a slim chance of, you know, um, getting past them and doing some damage to them. I did that. I was, I wasn't fortunate enough. Um, so my next option is, do you want to surrender to them? And I thought, shit, well, I bet I'm going to lose everything I've scavenged, but hopefully I'll get out. They did more damage to me and they shot my guys oh, in this building, just shot them. Um, so, but you, the thing is you start building, you know, you, you get used to these characters cause they all have habits and things at the end of every turn, the, you turn over cards, they're called fake cards and they tell you to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, each of your characters have got certain traits and habits and things. So some of them have got a, a nicotine habit. They they need cigarettes. Yeah. Some of, some of the guys have got a drinking habit. They need a drink. Um, some of them, if they see one of their friends is suffering, it it sends them into a blind you know a blind spin. Mm-hmm. So you've got all of these things that happen. So you tend to know what characters what you can do with the characters pretty quickly, to to play them to their strengths and avoid their weaknesses. So. I've sent these guys out. They come um, and they haven't come back. And I'm now thinking, I'm feeling sorry for the guys that are in the house because as far as they're concerned, their friends went out to look for stuff and they never came back. But But the story that I know is they went out, they went into a building, they found some soldiers, the soldiers were having none of it and they gunned them down like dogs. Yeah, but their friends would never know. Yeah, that's it. So you're building this story. Then we come back to my <laughs> these other two guys, right? So the the one guy was part of the starting group. The other guy was somebody they met. And how they met him is they rescued him from being kicked to death by thugs in the street. So he's a bit poorly, so I'm busy looking after him. He's fine. The other guy... Um, I had to roll some dice to see what happens to him because he then comes to the fact he comes to terms with the fact that his friends have died and they're not coming back. So he gets depressed. It then becomes that I have to feed them and uh, they have to eat and drink water. There wasn't enough. There was water. So I took care of that problem. There wasn't enough food in the place. So the guy got more depressed. He then goes out to do some scavenging himself and he comes across some orphans in in a building and uh, he you know he finds some stuff and he can either take it for himself or he can give it to them and he takes it he rolls that I have to roll the dice to see what happens he gets depressed he goes upstairs and hangs himself, and that was it. Game done. Oh, jeez. Dark. Yeah. Dark. It's like a dark, dark board game. Yeah. It's not um, you see that much, really. You don't. You don't see it at all. You know, some of it is, it's more atmospheric, and it's horror, and it's macabre, and things like that. This is real. Yeah. The only I one don't... I can, the, the only one that uh, springs to mind is that one about uh, 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 the Underground Railroad. Oh yeah, um, uh, freedom. Yes. Yeah, and also the grizzled. Yes, that as well actually. Yeah. Yeah, um, but this is it is really dark. I was knackered afterwards. 
the game mechanically is absolutely fantastic. It does some really clever things. That idea with going through the deck and, you know, to punish, not punish you, but um, with to the idea of wasting time or spending time, you put the cards back into the deck. You don't get to see them. Uh, really clever, a whole load of things. The way that it turns the board into the video game and it's doing its best to mimic everything that the game does, that the video game does. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, it's, it is so much better. It does its it makes more sense as a board game. Yeah, it sounds um, really good. It is. It is a really good game. You're not going to have fun playing it. I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, it was strange. I played played it the first time, and I thought I have to play it again. And then I played it again, and you know, all of these awful things happened, <laughs> and I lost the game in the, the most horrible way. And it's like, I need to play again. I can't wait to play again. And it's, for a second, you catch yourself and you go, you're a morbid bastard. But it's, <laughs> it's not that. It's the game is so well designed. I, I I knew I was taking a chance when I backed it on Kickstarter and I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, it sounds it is, like it definitely had paid off. Yeah. Um, and th- there's... Yeah, I've not really spoke about the mechanics of the game and the way that it does things, all the statuses and things. Mm-hmm. But the the one thing that I think um, should tell you about is the way that the game's meant to be played. So you open the box, you take the board out, and you put all the cards and everything where they need to be. Um, the There's no rule book as such. They've got what they call the journal. Mm-hmm. And so the game is meant to be played straight out the box, set everything up and go. And... It is a it's a solo game at heart because you don't control you know it's not like you and I were playing Kieran, I'll take one character, you take one character. The way that it works is I would do part of the morning phase. So I resolve the first event card that comes. I read it, have a look what happens. If there's any decisions to be made, we can discuss what we're going to do, what we should make the characters do, but ultimately the decision is mine. Yeah. Then uh, you and the rule book guides you. This journal guides you on what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And then there's a little arrow, and it says, uh, "Pass the book to the next player." Then the player gets the book, and they look after the the day phase, but mm-hmm. not all of the day phase. They just do the first set of actions, and they can do whatever they want. Then the book passes around again, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the biggest thing as well is that uh, you'll read things on cards and you go, I wonder what that does. And that's the, that's the trick. That's the hardest thing because you should, don't worry about it. If you've got a question, unless the cards have told you to do something or the book has told you to do something, don't worry about it. Don't do it. Yeah. All will be revealed in time. <laughs> and that's the biggest thing with board games because you know yourself when you start playing and you go, all right, well, what does that do? And we, we have this thing that we need to know. We need yeah. to know all this information in advance. This war of mine doesn't do that. Everything will be revealed. You have to have complete trust and read the cards, read the instructions of what you're doing right now and don't pay attention to anything else. Um, that little bit of text at the bottom of the card, that will be revealed. 
when it's relevant to what you're doing, it will get revealed. It sounds pretty cool. Uh, I yeah. Like the, I like the idea of it. Yeah. How is it component-wise? Because like, Kickstarter can be a bit hit and miss sometimes. Like, is... Yes. Uh, so the game is... Uh, the company that's uh, published the game is a Polish company called Galacta, but they work together with a miniatures company called Awakened Realms. Okay. Uh, Awakened Realms are busy working on the second Kickstarter right now called Lords of Hellas. Oh, okay. um, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Um, the component quality in this is top notch. You're looking at decent cards, uh, lin finish cards. The, the the miniatures are absolutely gorgeous, uh, really well done. The you had the option of you could get resin models, hmm. or you could just get the you know the plastic ones. Yeah. So the the sculpts had to be very well, you know well detailed for mm-hmm. them to because they use the same sculpts for the resin and the plastic Makes sense. Um, yeah so it had to be the highest quality sculpts to begin with and it shows even in the plastic uh, so components are very good The there's dice that comes with it uh, the book this big thick book is well bound it looks like it's going to be you know you can thumb through it open it and close it a good number of times the pages are not going to wear thin or anything like that um you know how sometimes you pay a lot of money for a board game and then the the pages of the rule book feel that kind of horrible cheap shitty yeah yeah um this doesn't have any of that as well they also developed an app and what the app the app does is it collects all the scripts from the from the script book mm-hmm. um, and that works so much better because remember I was telling you about the choices that you get yeah. to make well instead of thumbing it says uh, you know do you help them or do you not help them you just push the one that you want to do and it goes to the next bit you don't need to yeah. thumb through the book and things that sounds good it also reduces chance of you like accidentally you know as you're flicking reading through some, it, reading something else yes yeah, so I've been using that. Works really well. They've done some extra things to it as well. Oh, God, they have done so many extra things for this game. Uh, they have added a, a lock-picking game. So it's a little dexterity game. You can use that instead of rolling a dice to see whether you succeed on the lockpick. There is the scavenging. It works on a timer. It's kind of the same idea. And if you do it this way um you get an added benefit so they keep all these different ideas and and things um which they did with the they had so many ideas during the kickstarter campaign somebody came up with what they call the rubble die and it's a 10-sided die but it's asymmetric Mm -hmm. um and it's a i i I backed this extra um and it's a thing of beauty it's really amazing this this thing and how it actually rolls and it works and it's quite well balanced uh but what they did with this is they brought out a different set of rules it wasn't like oh we're just going to give you that dice and you can roll it instead of doing this they've created a whole section of the game that you add into it so you can use this rubble die uh yeah all all of the the stretch goals included things like that you know it was things to add to the game and you end up with this massive box if you back the kickstarter version with all these things that you can add into it they added something like 
the game comes with I think it's nearly two thousand different scripts, um, little stories that enhance the game. I think they added another seven hundred with the diff- all the different expansions and stretch goals. But it is it's mind blowing. I I bought the I bought the two main expansions that come with it and the rubble die. And uh, one of the stretch goals was uh, pets. They were going to add in pets. And what you had to do was either on Facebook or Twitter or something, whoever voted the most for the either a cat or a dog, that was the one that got put into the game. Mm-hmm. And the dog got put into the game. So you would get the dog miniature and you would get the cards. But the what they said then is well we're going to put the we'll put a token for the cat we'll give you all the other resources the cards and everything and the rules for the cat but we won't give you a miniature if you want the miniature you need to pay it was four pound or something so i've got the it's a resin cat miniature as well (laughs) this tiny little cat um because i had to (laughs) yeah but the it's a I, I'm going a hell of a long answer for your uh, <laughs> your, your question <laughs> sounds, about components. It sounds like the answer is yes, it is good. Yes. <laughs> the components yeah. are good. Yeah. you uh, Definitely it is one to check out. Uh, a lot of people that don't play board games have been, oh, you know, we've never seen anything like this. It's, uh, you know, so board games are like art and they're they're treating it like a bit of an oddity. I think, you know, with us having video games and playing a lot of video games, we've we've seen games like this before. Yeah, um, it's definitely and, something that we don't see that often with board games. Oh, absolutely not. You, you know, we don't see it, uh, especially with choices like that. I think the closest thing I've seen was with Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. You know, where we've seen things with the crossroad choices and things like that, but. I didn't find them as shocking as harrowing because it's, you know, it's it's to do with zombies. It's a, it's a fantasy. Yeah, it is fantasy. It's yeah. you know, it's not real. It's a horror setting and things like Arkham Horror and some of the things that happen in those games and stuff. You know, people get dismembered and, uh, yeah, we haven't really seen anything as kind of chilling as this. Yeah, whereas this is much more grounded in reality and dark yeah yeah i think i think the other thing probably the other one of the other closest things that i own and that you own is letters from Whitechapel. Mm-hmm. you know because the the the, the dear boss letters and things are actually recre- recreated in the game in little pieces yeah. and the the book has you know stories and histories of the police officers and the people that hunted jack the ripper yeah and even then they're kind of taking steps to slightly move away from that stuff because the yeah. newest one doesn't have it's not yeah it still has some of that but it's not uh it's not yeah. jack the ripper anymore yes yeah but they've um you know that's in the back of the book it's not it's not flung in your face every time you play yeah. the game yeah. um yeah but yeah definitely recommend it it is really really good that sounds cool cool um i did play something else as well um well i've not played it fi- i've not finished playing with it um so, you so it i and you want to talk about. yes i bought <laughs> it i'm going to talk about it i've played a little bit of it so kind of initial um uh, I, i've lost my words now <laughs> initial thoughts impressions 
impressions there we go there's a big <laughs> word for you um i picked up flick em up dead of winter i'm so... jealous of this one because i've been looking to pick up pretty much any of the flick em up games like the flick em up and catacombs are two games that are you know similar ideas because they're yes flicking little discs but they're also both quite expensive because they're even though it's just like a box filled with discs, they're really well-made little discs and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. And so I keep getting tempted by these. And when I heard about this one, this is the one that I've been most tempted to pick up. <laughs> yes, so it's... They've got together um, Pretzel Games, the guys that make the flick em up games. Uh, oh, so for anyone that doesn't know what flick em up is, it's a dexterity game where you... It's set in the, the Wild West... And you control little cowboys, and you're having shootouts with your friends, and and uh, there's I think there's AI enemies, bandits kicking about as well. And what you're doing is you're whenever you fire a bullet, you fire you flick a little disc, and you're trying to hit your opponent. Um, there are buildings that you can go into and how you move as you flick a, a different disc, a, a movement disc, you can go inside buildings and search things and do things like that. Um, but what they've done with the flick em up Dead of Winter is they've got together with Plaid Hat Games, the guys that make Dead of Winter, um, John Gilmore and Isaac Vega, and they have just done a mashup between them. And you have... The game is now cooperative. So there's a campaign, there's 10 campaigns, mm -hmm. and the first five of them are cooperative. And then what happens is it becomes competitive. Okay. The, com the competitive side of the game will start to bring in elements from Dead of Winter. So they, they'll bring in secret objectives. Uh, so it's, uh, somebody on your team could be a, a betrayer that wants the other team to win. Or they want the zombies to win, so they want to, when they're flicking their disc, they're going to, you know, flick their disc badly on purpose. Yeah. Um, then if you can vote them out, and if you vote the wrong one out, it's all sorts of trouble. So it's adding those kind of elements from the, yeah. the Crossroad games from Dead of Winters. There's the Crossroad cards are in the game as well. They're not as harsh uh, as the the dead of winter ones it's more random event yeah it's more random events that happen but it's more it's just to give you a little flavor of the the dead of winter universe mm -hmm. um yeah the the component wise on this one is absolutely a, amazing just really good stuff it's uh, plastic components this time okay. so when flick em up first came out it was a uh, heavy wooden components yeah and like half uh, the components in um, flick em up are also set dressing, <laughs> like as yes, yeah. most of uh, base flick em up is like you know little wooden cactuses, cacti, and then yes. you know buildings and stuff like that yeah. to let like, you set up your old west. And most of them are not gameplay relevant at all. But, yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's the same in. Dead of Winter flick them up as well, except what they've done is it's all plastic now. Uh, apart from, you know, the, the the buildings are little cardboard stands and they've got mm. these, uh, you, you fit big plastic feet onto them, so yeah. they're quite sturdy. Uh, because there's certain things, there's lampposts 
there's little lamp posts and they have a little stand you can flick them over if you wish but like you say there's no there's no point in these things being there there's no use for them there it's just set dressing mm-hmm. um there are you know there's little vehicles the vehicles don't really do much the buildings have a use um but there's like abandoned cars and there's a little jeep those don't do anything there is one vehicle um and that is the rv that is basically how you get into these scenarios and how you will escape from them mm-hmm. uh and yeah they're basically what they've done as well if they've added different things so there's a sniper rifle that you can use and those the sniper rifle is uh you use the bullet disc that you normally would use but it's got this little it's like a little template and you can imagine if you're flicking a disc on a table you're not going to be it's going to be quite difficult to get it in a straight line isn't it yeah yeah you know because just the way you hit it but this is it's a it's like a, a little cardboard strip and it's got the middle of it cut out and it's the exact uh, the exact shape circumference of the the disc mm-hmm. so the disc slides in it and you launch it from this little this little thing yeah so it gives yeah. you a kind of straighter shot yes yeah, so, yeah so it's a straighter shot which is quite cool um there's a shotgun and what the shotgun does is you it's kind of the same idea it looks the same except it uses smaller discs and it uses you put all the discs in a row you put four of them in a row so when you flick the first one you flick them out when they leave this thing they scatter it's a scatter shot that's smart (laughs) yeah it's impressive the smart things they've come up with for flicking little discs around yeah it is really really cool the so basically the way the game works as well is that uh, you know how you would normally flick if you i said to you to flick your finger right now what you're probably doing is you're using your thumb to gain traction on your finger as you flick it yeah Mm -hmm. so how you play the game is you don't do that you um you just have to flick your finger from the table so it gives you a a less powerful flick but it's more controlled in terms of getting direction and things. And that's important because the main rule of flicking is that, let's say you flick your bullet and it takes out three zombies and then careens off the table. If it ever leaves the table or the playing area, then no matter what happened, the shot is invalid. You've used the shot, it's done, but the the zombies that you knocked over... They're not knocked over; they get put back. Okay. So you get penalised for you know being too too rough. Yeah. Which is quite cool. Um, so you shoot uh, on your turn. You can do a couple of things with your with your guy. Uh, you can move. So when you move, you fl- like I said, you flick the movement disc where you want to go, and then you you put the guy there. You can use. You've got a non. Uh, you've got melee weapons. I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> you've got me uh, melee weapons. weapons. Yeah, yeah, non-gun weapons. You've got a melee weapon, so you've got the knife. If you are at a distance, you can flick it and use it as a, a throwing knife. And, you know, so you can kill the zombies that way. If you're right close to the zombies, you can sneak up behind them and slit their throat. <laughs> um, 
uh, and when you flick the knife, it is a. It's not a disc. It's this knife-shaped thing. Okay. <laughs> right. So you can you can then either flick it like a torpedo, or you can flick it so that it spins like a shuriken. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. There is also there's the baseball bat. The baseball bat is a non-lethal weapon. So what happens is when you use that and you flick it, it knocks a zombie down. If the zombie is knocked down, then you can move you pick up your meeple and you move it to wherever the bat is. So it's basically you know hitting the zombie, incapacitating him, and then running him away, yeah. running away from him. Uh, when zombies are knocked down, if it's by a gun or a knife, they're dead and they go into the you know the bucket where you get new zombies from. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've knocked them down, it's just they're incapacitated for uh, one turn and then they you stand them back up and they're ready to attack and move again. During your turn, if you use and like a, a if you make noise, so if you use a gun, a weapon, um, what then happens is you the zombies move. And the way that the the zombies move in this game is quite cool because you take the zombie that is closest to you and if it's a certain... I don't have the rule book with me, but if if it's made so much noise or whatever it is, you take additional zombies. And the game comes with a dice tower, but it's not a dice tower. (laughs) It has a lid, um, and the lid doesn't fit too well on top of this dice tower and uh, you've got another piece that you kind of wedge in between the top of the lid and the top of the dice dice tower so it doesn't fall all the way through so you've got this kind of very unset unsturdy platform you then take your zombie meeples and you put them on top now each zombie has a random number on the back uh, that and that pertains to numbers on this little platform. There's numbers one through to nine. So if you've got zombie number one, you put them on space number one, and zombie eight, you put them on space number eight. You then remove the false floor. The arse falls out at the top of the tower, and the zombies fall down this dice tower and scoot along the table. And if they manage to hit you, that's that's them done damage to you. Um, if not, they're just that's where they've moved to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, yeah. It's every time they do one of these flick out games, it seems like, and also Catacombs as well. Like they do, they know that you can't just release a game that is you flicking discs, because it's not enough, and they do all these cool little things that it's like, okay, you've you've built smart mechanics <laughs> around the idea of flicking things around. Good job. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah, so it's really cool. So I built everything. I spent quite a lot of time building everything last night and putting it all together. The dice tower or the zombie tower was quite a bit of a mission to pull it together. And I so I set it up and I thought, right, let's try some getting the zombies to move around. Um, I have, well, you, you've played games on our, our board game table. Yeah. Um, and we've got these neoprene mats mm-hmm. on the table. And uh, those neoprene mats are brilliant for the flicking. Oh, really? Because, yeah, they, they add a little bit of resistance on the table. Yeah. So it, and it controls the flick quite nicely. Yeah, so you're not just going to be blasting off the table every single time. Yes, yeah. So that's perfect, no problems. But the dice tower 
um, when the zombies fall down, sometimes it uh, there's too much friction on them, so they don't they don't scoot about as much, uh. or they'll come screaming down the dice tower and they bounce. They go conk conk conk, and they move a little bit, but they don't move as much as and I thought as much as you would think. Yeah. And I thought, shit, I've not built the dice tower properly. I've, I've buggered something up. But it wasn't. It was because of the neoprene mat. Because when I tried it on the normal table, it's Jesus, fine. those those <laughs> things slide for months. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to playing it. The cool thing as well is the cooperative missions can be played solo. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's quite cool as well. Um, but I'm looking forward to playing it. it the, it's quite different as well. So the cooperative game... Uh, you can play two to ten players for the entire game. Um, the cooperative side, most of the game is played with five players. So what happens is you don't get a character of yourself, um, but you all take turns in moving characters. Yeah. Um, the game, uh, each round is split into day and night phases. So, And each character has a little backpack. And there's a dark side and a light side. And the game tells you, right, start and turn all the backpacks to the light side, which means they can be used during the day. Once you've used a character, you flip his his backpack to the dark side, which then tells you that you can only use that character in the the night phase. And that's how you take turns. So I go and I use one character and I flip his backpack. When it's your turn, you can use any other character that has his his backpack on the light side but you can't use the dark side ones yet until we get to that phase of the the round. Okay. Yeah, and that's... I thought that was another neat thing that it did as well, rather than just giving you one meeple that you look after. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and because each character has their own unique weapons and their their own unique things, it gives everyone a chance to use, you know, the, the... to flick the shotgun or flick the knife or flick the baseball bat. Yeah. This is cool. I really yeah. want to try this one. Yes, I, I think you should as well. In particular, I look forward to seeing how the, you know, the dead of winter stuff kind of fits into it really well. Yes, yeah. That stuff seems like it won't be really apparent until you've played quite a few, well, at least a couple of games. Yeah, I I like the way they've built the campaigns for it as well. Basically, yeah. you build up this. The, the first campaign's quite. Uh, you've got all the buildings and everything. But you're not allowed to go into the buildings. What you need to do is you need to get to the RV and get out of town. The next one, uh, the next campaign is there's, you know, there's two buildings you have to get into to find something. So they keep adding new rules and new elements on each of the campaigns. Mm-hmm. But if you are, you know, if you're quite used to dexterity games, um, you can you can pick you know one of the more advanced campaigns that has all the different things yeah. the ser- searching for items and the bonus cards and uh, all of that kind of stuff because it's not a, although it has this this kind of story that it's built up excuse me it's not it's not shakespeare you're not going to ruin anything by playing the you know the last the last yeah. campaign yeah. and that's all you're going to play and that's what the, it tells you it says we've built these to kind of teach you if you've never played any board games before we'll teach you all the kind of different elements 
and yeah, so it's a learn as you go book, mm-hmm. which is really cool as well. So yeah, looking forward to getting some good games with it. If you are looking to pick it up, it should cost you anywhere between four. You know, it's recommended retail is fifty pounds, mm-hmm. but that's not too bad for the amount of stuff that you get in the game. Yeah, it sounds like it's like the regular version of Flick 'em Up is around that if not more most of the time as well uh yes yeah depends on the version that you get if yeah. you get the wooden version it's slightly more and i think the you know the the regular version now with the plastic components yeah. is more or less that price yeah i don't know if the plastic one's been reprinted though. i've only seen the wooden one around recently yeah i seen the wooden one uh i seen it when i was in the shop as well actually yeah i think the wooden one got reprinted because for a while it was when I first wanted to get Flick'em Up, when I first heard about it and I went online and was like, I need this game, it was like in the, you know, it was between like 100 and 150 pounds for it because people were, you know, scalping it because it had been out of print for a bit. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, yes. <laughs> Hooray for board games! <laughs> Hooray for board games when they're in print. Yes, yeah. Um... When we're talking about board games as well, um, I know we're about to go into the mo- the news and things. I did see the new um, Star Wars Rebellion expansion, hmm. and I had it in my grubby little hands, and I didn't buy it. I didn't realize it was out. Uh, it is out. Uh, as we are recording this podcast, it is available today. Oh man. That's so when I when their expansion got delayed. Yes, it did. Yeah, bummed me out. Yeah, um, last week. Yeah, I was looking at the Star Wars Rebellion one, and I was thinking I was the same as you. I had it in my hands yesterday. I thought I'm going to buy this, and it is the box is probably about the size of the Arkham Horror card game box, just to give you an idea. So it's not mm-hmm. very big. Yeah. And it feels like there's nothing inside it. Okay, there's yeah. a couple of min- there's a couple of miniatures, there's a couple of cardboard cutouts, some rules and some cards. And for the money that they're asking for it, yeah, it's an expensive expansion. It is an expensive expansion, and as you know, you know that we we love. Star Wars Rebellion. I think we gave it our game of the our board game of the year. If yeah, not, it was damn close to yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know about you. I don't play it enough to justify another forty pound expansion. If it was a twenty five pound expansion, mm-hmm. yeah, possibly. I play it slightly more than you, but also I don't use my version. I use my friend's version. <laughs> right. Has and play it. So really, I need to try and get him to buy it. Yeah, but yeah, it's a hell of a lot of money when you think about it. Yeah. Well, there you. We were just talking about flick them up. You know, you should be able to pick it up between forty and fifty pounds. Mm-hmm. This expansion is forty pounds on its own. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, uh, it's probably far too much. Yeah, I think so. Um, even the so there was a new expansion that came out for Terraforming Mars, which is another game that I adore. Uh, but it's just basically it's a board. It's a double-sided board with a new map, well, or two new maps. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's not too expensive. You're looking at anywhere between 15 and 20 pounds for that. And currently I can't justify that on that. Yeah. And then you got ones like, you know, the Splendor expansion that was meant to come out last week. And that's, I think my pre-order for that was 25 pounds. And that's got, you know, several kind of mini expansions for the game. It seems like a good amount of content. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just the the Star Wars Rebellion one. I I am looking forward to seeing it, and I would love to play it. But yeah, yeah not for that money. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's everything I've been playing as well. Um, so, have we got any news? Uh, we have a bunch. Excellent. So let's start getting through some of it. Uh, did you ever play much Puzzle Fighter? I did actually, yeah. So Capcom are making a new Puzzle Fire game. Oh who? For iPhone and Android. I can get behind that. Seems like an alright way to play Puzzle Fire. Not quite as accurate as other ones, but you know, it's a fun game and puzzle games work well on the phone. Uh it's got a new art style which is um uh, horrific. It's fucking it's horrible. <laughs> it looks so bad. But I'm sure the game's probably still really fun. So, yeah. Uh, is it? I don't know if there's a date on it. It's coming out later this year. Right. Uh, but there's a trailer for it. They've announced a bunch of characters. It's got like Ryu, Ken, Chun Li, Mega Man. Uh, sorry, X from Mega Man X. My apologies. Morrigan from Darkstalkers. Frank West and Chuck Green from Dead Rising. Oh, okay. Uh, it's being made by Capcom Vancouver, who made uh most of the Dead Rising games. Right. I think everything past the first one was them, I believe. All right. Okay. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure the first one was made in Japan. The rest were all Canadian. I could be wrong. Maybe the first one was them as well. I don't remember. But yeah, that seems um, pretty pretty decent. Cool. Yeah, I definitely check that out when it comes out. Uh, Sonic Forces got a proper release date. Right. It's coming out seventh of November. Uh, it's you know, it's relatively budget priced. Like the pre-order prices for it range between like thirty and thirty-five pounds. They're specifically re- you know releasing at a reduced price because I don't know Sega's not entirely stupid, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if you <clears throat> if you buy the physical only bonus edition, you get four Sonic Forces art cards. And a controller skin. So one of those really shitty like vinyl stickers that you put on your controller, and it looks really ugly. It's a really <laughs> terrible one. Um, and then also a handful of uh, in-game uh, character because this Sonic Force is the one that has the weird character creator for, so you can finally make your weird furry character. Um, so they, they, if you pre-order it, you get a bunch of costumes um, from other Sega games, such as ah. Jet Set Radio, cool. Super Monkey Ball, Nice, Persona 5, <laughs> and Puyo Puyo. I completely forgot that Sega bought Atlas. Until this uh, happened, yeah. then it's like, oh yeah, that <laughs> happened. Right. Bizarre. Yeah, they they have a nice library now. 
but it's one that when they, they start mixing the characters, you it always takes you by surprise a little yeah, bit, doesn't it? It still doesn't quite match up, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's weird to like Sega is having a bit of a resurgence, but almost everything I hear about Sonic Forces, like no one seems particularly interested in it. Not even like in the same way that even people that weren't super into Sonic, you know, 3D Sonic games, like myself, I think Sonic was bad for a long time. Mm-hmm. I liked Sonic Colors, and so when Sonic Generations got announced, I was like, this is going to be good, because they're improving on Sonic Colors. And yeah. Sonic Generations was a really good game. I think a lot of people that weren't even into 3D Sonic games, like, didn't even play Colors stuff like that, played Sonic Generations and were, you know, into it. And Sonic Forces seems to be more of that, but it seems like the interest is just not there. Right, um, yeah. It probably doesn't help that Sonic Mania just came out. Yeah, it just may be a case of, right, okay, well, you've just given us this other thing, now you want us to, you know, how much more of our yeah. money do you want? And it's weird, because, like, Sonic Forces has this... I mean, it makes sense also that they're... For the price of buying Sonic Forces and also Sonic Mania, you basically have a full-price game. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's how much that kind of cost comes to, roughly. So, it's a smart way of doing that, at least. But yeah. Also, like Sonic Forces has the the generation style like classic stages, which seems like a really weird thing to put in your three D Sonic game after you made a t a two D old school Sonic game. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. It's strange. I'm gonna get that game probably. Hopefully, it's good. We'll see. Cool. Uh, PlayStation Plus for next month got announced. It will be out around the time this podcast goes up, I think. But um, yeah. So if you want to go and play games such as Rigs, if you have a PlayStation VR headset, mm-hmm. uh, Infamous Second Son, which yeah. I really like that game, um, da, 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 Child of Light, which was that Ubisoft RPG. Yes. Uh, it was really pretty. I never got around to playing that, so I might actually do that now. Yeah, same. Um and what else we got here so those are kind of the big PS4 ones there's That's You is still part of PlayStation Plus because they're still trying to get people to play that um Truck Racer for PS3 never heard of that before I assume uh, you race trucks in it I'm assuming so yeah it'd be a safe bet I think Yeah. Uh, Handball 2016 if you want your not quite up to date uh, handball sports games. Yes, yeah, yeah. If you want your balls handled. Exactly. In 2016. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are doomed for the PlayStation Vita and the PS4, which is a weird, like, geometric uh, shooter that seems kind of cool. Right. I've not, I've not played that one. Uh, and then finally, Hatoful Boyfriend for the PS4. Oh, yes. Which is the dating simulator where you're dating pigeons. Yes. And is it's a... the visual novel, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's apparently, like, I've only played a bit of it, but it's very funny and very silly. Yes. It does not take yeah. itself seriously at all. No. As you would expect from a game where you're dating pigeons. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's a pretty strong month. Yeah. And it's one of the rare months where we've been getting, you know, big full games in the lineup. I yeah, think last yeah. month did as well. 
Uh, yeah, um, Just Cause actually. 3. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully this is a regular thing now where we're just getting big full games. Unfortunately, yeah, as someone who buys everything as they come out, I will probably have owned all. <laughs> I have owned both of these games. I own Just Cause and I own Infamous. Yeah. I own the special edition of Infamous. I have a fucking beanie hat that's too small for my head somewhere. That I was going to say, yeah, you bought the, uh, the version with the hat. Yeah, which that hat is tiny. Uh, yes, it, you you were too cheap to buy the uh, Spartan cat helmet, so you got the infamous cat hat. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> um, I like that game a lot. I might reinstall I, that and play that. Yeah, I did. I really liked it as well. It was yeah. yeah. It makes me want to go back and finish Infamous Two. Yeah, you should. Infamous Two is a great game. Yeah. If only PS4 had backwards compatibility. <laughs> yeah. Um, a new No More Heroes game uh, was announced a little bit ago but we didn't yes. really know anything about it other than it was a No More Heroes game and it was coming to the Switch uh-huh. uh, last night uh, at the time of recording which gives away when we record uh, Nintendo had a Indies event or Nindies event as they call it they announced a bunch of indie games and some dates for some stuff and we're not going to go through every indie game that was there. I recommend people go watch it if you're interested because there's a lot of cool stuff announced there. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing was at the end they announced No More Heroes Travis Strikes Again for the yes. Switch. Which is the third No More Heroes game which is uh, it's weird. They showed the CG trailer for it. They haven't showed any of the actual uh, gameplay of it yet but they're doing like a weird the, the trailer they showed was Travis Touchdown from the No More Hero games uh, facing off against uh, an, an assassin who who is the dad of one of the assassins that you killed towards the end of uh, the first game yes it I must think be the first is. game because I didn't finish the second game <laughs> Um, yeah, she was the Batgirl she was the girl that had the big baseball bat and she ran around hitting you with it uh, she was fucking hard and her dad has shown up to get revenge for him, for Travis murdering her, his daughter and then they both get sucked into Travis's uh, games console which is the uh, the Death Drive 2 which I quite like <laughs> because that means that <laughs> it basically means that they are tying together even more thoroughly the uh, Let It Die and No More Heroes universes oh yes um, which I should really go back to Let It Die that game was quite fun um, but yeah the weird thing is they're doing basically it's going to be a kind of crossover game from the sounds of it where you're is crossing over No More Heroes and some indie games. So the one they have shown, or at least kind of hinted at, is uh, Hotline Miami because Travis is sitting playing Hotline Miami while this guy tries to attack him. Right. So that'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting yeah. to see like if the gameplay is of the style of the indie game that it's crossing over with, or if it's the style of No More Heroes but maybe kind of visually looking like the indie games. I don't. We know so little about it so far, but I'm also up for more. No more heroes. Those games were fun. Yeah. Um, and that's exclusive to the Switch, so far at least. Yes, which is another reason why I need to buy one. Yeah, definitely. Um, and speaking of old games getting sequels, 
Age of Empires 4 is getting made. Which is the first brand new Age of Empires game since 2005. Wow. Um, which got me really excited because I really like Age of Empires. I liked 1, I liked 2, 3 was really good. Um, I like 3 more than most people, I think. I think 3 for a lot of people was like the falling off point of Age of Empires, but it was actually the one that I most got into. Um, but Ensemble Studios, the company, the developer that made the Age of Empires games, has not been around for a while because uh, they were shut down in 2009. Right. And so Microsoft is handing off development to Relic Entertainment, the developers of Homeworld, Company of Heroes, and uh, more recently, the Warhammer 40k Dawn of War games. Right. Okay. Which is the bit that gets me slightly worried because. I'm not a big fan of Relic's games. <laughs> like, I, I want to like them. Whenever they release a game, I look at it and I'm like, this is such a cool concept. I like the idea of it. I like the way it looks. And then I play it and I'm like, ah, no, that's just not good. Yeah, because they're, they're now playing around with uh, one of your babies, aren't they? Exactly. Um, but on the other hand, they're also doing uh, remakes of Age of Empires 2 and 3. Uh called Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition and 3 Definitive Edition, which are in the style of they recently just did this with Age of Empires 1, where they just redid all the art, uh, updated the UI, remastered it so you can go up to 4K. Um, you know, it's kind of similar to that StarCraft remaster I was talking about uh, last podcast. Right. Where they kind of redid all the graphics but the gameplay is all the same. So it's mm-hmm. kind of it's like that, but they did that for Age of Empires. And they're going to do it for Age of Empires 2 and Age of Empires 3, which I'm more interested in those. But then also those will be exclusive to the Windows Store. Right. So every bit of good news that's coming out from Microsoft here is coming with the some kind of like, but also like the monkey <laughs> paw wish of you get Age of Empires 4 but a developer whose games you've historically not liked very much is going to make it. <laughs> you'll get remakes of some of your favourite Age of Empires games, but you'll need to use our shitty Windows Store to play them. <laughs> uh, baiting, they're baiting and switching you every I single know, time. It's the worst. Um, I'll probably buy those, though. <laughs> I'm a sucker. But yeah, that's exciting. Um, Warhammer Vermintide's getting a sequel called Warhammer Vermintide 2 because it's imaginatively named um, I didn't play that first one I always meant to and never did it was the one that was basically a rip off of Left 4 Dead right like it was a Left 4 Dead clone that even looked like Left 4 Dead but it was set in the Warhammer universe mm-hmm. like the regular Warhammer universe not the 40k one right um, which I don't really keep up with Warhammer as much as I'm into board games, games workshop stuff out, you know, has never been the thing that interests me. No, no, it was, yeah, just kind of the miniature type games. It's yeah. not anything. Well, yeah. yeah, miniatures in general. Like the closest I've gotten to liking miniature games is I quite liked uh, the, the 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 Star Wars X Wing. Oh, X Wing and Armada and yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um. But I thought the, I thought the purpose of the first Vermintide was that they were basically ending the Warhammer universe. 
Well, because they did that reboot where they like it was so they could basically change dwarfs from being called dwarfs to being called something that they could license and trademark. Right. Didn't. But then they didn't they bring out the Age of Sigmar? Or is that Warhammer 40k? I don't remember. That might have been what I... they called the replacement for. Because like the whole idea was they ended their Warhammer universe so that they could make a new Warhammer universe with, you know, renamed things that they could have trademarks on and sue people over. Right. Um, which makes it kind of weird that this is Vermintide 2 because Vermintide was like their end of the universe event. <laughs> It was like they're this is everyone dying, and they're like, uh-huh. oh, "Well, that's happened, and we've started a new universe." But here's a game set and the end of the whole universe. <laughs> it's bizarre. Um, I keep getting some of that wrong. Again, I don't really follow Warhammer stuff that closely, but yeah, it's interesting to see at least because I I didn't play that first one. Um, always meant to, never did. So I'm right, try and pick this one up. Um, Ben threw this new story in here that says Ark Survival Evolved came out this week, but I don't believe that. I refuse it. I refuse to believe that Ark has finally right. actually came out. <laughs> says it's available on retail shelves and digital storefronts, and up until recently, I would have said, "Oh, so if it's on retail shelves, then it must actually have to, you know, be finished." Yes. But given. Epic just put out Fortnite and Paragon on the PS4 and gave them retail releases even though neither of those games are even close to being finished. Right. It's bizarre. Yeah, apparently Ark came out on the, the 29th of August. Oh, okay. Uh, that's it. Finally we can stop comp- you know, we can, they can keep releasing DLC for it and it'll be less of a shitty practice now because the game's actually out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Bizarre. Um, and also, what else we got here? Milestone announces MXGP3 is coming to the Switch this year. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be quite cool. Yeah, I like those motocross games. Yeah, they've been getting better every year that uh, Milestone have been working on them so yeah. Uh, yeah that'd be quite good yeah now they just need to get the, the I don't think it's the same developers but they need to get like the more GP games and stuff the, all those all those racing games and stuff that were coming to the Vita to start throwing them on the Switch just, yes just do that that's what I want yeah uh, and the last thing we've got here THQ Nordic announces Experiment 101's Kung Fu Fable Biomutants which I don't know, did you see the trailer for this one? No, I didn't actually. So this is a, it's a studio that's made from a bunch of old uh, Just Cause 2 developers. Right. And they're making a game called Biomutant that he plays a little kind of little raccoon looking thing with guns and swords and stuff. Uh, but the whole kind of twist is that you can kind of mod the body of him so you'll be collecting like DNA to mod your arm and so you'll get a stronger arm or lightning arm yeah. or something like that um, it seems quite cool they've not shown a oh, wait. We'll see. the cinematic trailer looks quite good yeah cinematic trailer and I was going to say they haven't shown a gameplay but then the recommendation <laughs> the next recommendation video next to the cinematic trailer for me was 11 minutes of Biomutant gameplay so I guess they did <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it looks quite cool it looks like a weird kind of 3D action game yeah. Which, you know, 
I'm always into those. I I actually just bought Absolver. I didn't talk uh, about it because I've not actually played it yet, but I right. bought Absolver. So that's one I'll probably talk about next time. Um, yeah, so that 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 looks pretty cool. I'm excited for that one. But that's all the news I've got open. Cool. Uh, I don't have. I don't really have anything. I think um, we covered most of the stuff that happened. That I think we spoke about stuff that's happened at Gen Con, mm-hmm. um, because we knew it was it was happening before it. Yeah. It actually happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's so I think. Yeah. So I think that's it, really. Um, We've got some new releases in terms of video games. So looking at a... It will be weekending September the 8th um, when you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. So we would have already had a couple of things out um, for the first day in September. But the first week will bring out... Oh, God. A game called Mask of Truth. That's the subtitle, the the first part of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Utawata Rudurera. That's uh, racist. <laughs> You're go on, racist. Go on then, you say it. It's uh, Utawara Mono. <laughs> Duh. I can't believe you couldn't get that. I mean, come on. Aye. <laughs> um, yes, so uh, Mask of Truth comes <laughs> comes out on uh, September the 5th for PS4. It's a um, Japanese adult tactical role-playing visual novel. Oh. It's came out PSP, apparently. Oh, right. Okay. It's yeah. not one that I've, uh, I'm have i familiar with. I've heard uh... of it before. It's apparently pretty decent. But All right. I don't know if adult means that it's kind of porny. I hope it does. <laughs> I mean, it'd be interesting if it is. Yeah. Uh, big one on the 6th of September uh, PS4 and Xbox One are you getting this one Kieran it's Destiny 2 uh, I am undecided on it uh, I'm in this weird kind of middle spot where I didn't really plan on buying many more games this month like it's a relatively I mean there's a lot of stuff coming out but there's not a lot of stuff that interests me that much and right. Destiny 2 is one of the few that does but also the PC version comes out in October so I'm thinking I'm just going to wait for that one because it's weird I was in this point where Destiny 2 is a game that you want to play with friends Yes. although I played most of Destiny by myself anyway so I don't really care about that too much but if I was going to play it with friends I'd get it on PS4 but then right. they have a closed beta just now on the PC and all of the news coming out of that says that it's really well optimised on PC and that my PC would run it at a much higher frame rate than the PS4 and it'd look a lot nicer. So right. I'm probably going to pick up in October. <laughs> right. We'll see. Oh, fair enough. Uh, after that, we have a NAC 2 is coming out as well. On the sixth September, yes, it, it is. Yes, they so showed, I they showed like very little of that game, then put a demo out. Yeah, so it's been quite. Uh, yeah, it feels like it's a quick turnaround, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'll probably check out the demo. I did like Knack, but to be fair, it was probably because it was one of the few games 
that you could get it on launch. Really pretty. It was. It did look very pretty. I, I thought it like was it. okay, but got really repetitive really quickly. Yeah, that was yes. my issue with it. Uh, yeah. From what I've heard from people that played the demo, um, it sounds like they've. It's not as shallow, and it's a bit more. Oh, of, right. It sounds like it's a bit more of a platformer this time. Like it's not just you walk into a room, beat people up, then move into the next room, which is kind of how the last game was. Yeah. It sounds like there's actually some, you know, jumping around and solving puzzles and stuff. Right. Which would be good. Yeah. It, um. Yeah. The the first one just felt like it was a good couple hours too long. I got to certain points and it was like. Right, I've played enough. See if you finish now. If you finish the story for me, I'm not going to complain. I'd be happy with the money that I spent on the game. Mm-hmm. It it did feel, you know, too long because it was just repetitive. I hope they do the uh, uh, the cool thing they did in the first game, where you op- when you open chests, it would let you know if like your friend had done it already. Oh yeah, that was quite cool. I yeah. That was pretty- Cool. I'll, I'll probably get it when it's cheap. Then we have on Thursday the 7th of September uh, for the Switch, the Afterbirth Plus version of The Binding of Isaac. Yes, finally. This has been out and I've been playing it for ages because I made an American account on my Switch. Alright, um, okay. This came out in like June in America. Bloody hell. Yeah. Uh, Nicalis are well known for their bizarre delays where they'll be like we're bringing this game out and then they don't talk again for a year and a half and then they're like the game's out and it's like what are you doing (laughs) Uh, this is one of those times where the the game has been finished and out in other territories for months and now it's finally coming out here so it's a good game the Switch version is probably other than maybe the PC version the best version of that game so. All right, cool. Uh, also coming out for the Switch on Friday the eighth of September is uh, Lego Worlds. Yeah, that's weird. I've had a PC, but I've never actually played it. And yeah, my girlfriend bought it. It's like the weird kind of Minecrafty Lego thing. Yes, yeah. I it was one um, because Minecraft never appealed to me. I didn't bother checking out the yeah. Lego version. So that's kind of where but, I yeah. Landed. Um. Monster Hunter Stories comes out for the 3DS as well. I'm a little bit curious about that, but I'm kind of pulling myself back because I tend to buy a Monster Hunter game and then I get caught up in the hype and, oh, it's a new one, it's going to be good, and it's pretty much the same game, (laughs) you know, one after the other, and I generally don't play as much of them. I do like the series, but I tend... I just give the series money really mm-hmm. a bit like what you do with Starcraft is just buy everything I play lots of Starcraft we don't know oh you um, do you... but this uh, Monster Hunter Stories is a very different Monster Hunter game uh, yes because it's based on the anime spin-off of Monster Hunter so yeah it's not actually a Monster Hunter game it's like a, it's a turn-based RPG yeah so I'm a bit curious about that as well so yeah it looks pretty I, I've never it, I think it, it looks kind of like it's Pokemon but Monster Hunter. Yeah. Um I think is yeah. I think as well I'm 
I tend to be buying quite a lot for the 3DS and then not playing, not finishing them. I haven't used my 3DS since I got my Switch. I charged my 3DS the other day so that I could play uh, some Fire Emblem and then I couldn't find my 3DS case which has my games in it. So I couldn't (laughs) play Fire Emblem. Right. No, that's that's fair comment. Um, Cool. Uh, What else we got? We got couple two more things on the list here uh we've got the pillars of the earth for pc ps4 and xbox one coming out on friday the 8th of september so that's a multiplayer mmo kind uh, no not mmo is it uh, i don't think it is no no it's not a uh, <laughs> i'm getting my, my words all mixed up the the same thing like league of legends it's one of those, is it not? No, uh, Pillar of Earth. I'm God, it's now it's a uh, based on a series of books, I believe. Oh, there's also a board game based on it. Um, there's a mini series as well. I've never heard of this book series before. Uh, yeah, so it's based on a book series by Ken Follett. So this is like a story-based kind of adventure game. Ah, oh, right. I. It's made by Daedalic, the guys that have made. Was it Depona? Yes, they made Deponia. And Edna and Harvey and the the Knight of the Rabbit. They they made some really good point and click adventure games. I'm sure this one. It doesn't look like it's quite as point and clicky. Uh, It looks like it's more of a a telltale style kind of thing. Ah. But it looks nice at least. I actually saw this the other day and didn't realise it was Daedalic that made it, so that makes Ah. it a bit more interesting. Um, our friends at uh, NIS America or NIS have brought out another game uh, the last one on the list it's a Tohu Kabutu 5 Burst Battle totally uh, not sure. that's my guess because uh, Tohu is a series of fan made uh, built hill shooters I was going with uh, schoolgirls and dresses popping off because of burst battle. I don't think they're quite as literal. No, Mm, Google Images is maybe. I think we might both be right. I don't know. This one looks like more of a weird kind of third-person action game. Weird. Oh, most of the Toho games, yeah. So it is kind of from the looks of some of the art, slightly porny, but. it's like a 3D brawler kind of like the Naruto fighting games and stuff. Right. Like a simple fighting game basically. Um, yeah, weird. The Most of the Tohu games are like Tohu is like a it's a series of kind of bullet hill shooters with uh, anime ladies that people really like. Um, right. Yeah. Some of those games are really good. They have anime ladies. Yeah, you can never have enough anime ladies. Uh, maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite as confident as you. <laughs> um, and that is it. I'm just checking. Yes, um, because the next thing I have on the list after that is the 12th of September. Oh, um, oh and a game for the Switch as well. Yes. Yeah, Teasing so... Rayman. I might pick that up actually because I never played Rayman uh, Legends. Yeah, 
I thought you did. No, I don't know I why pl- I had... I played Rayman Origins. And I really liked Rayman Origins. Oh, oh yes, that was it, yeah. Um, yeah. I realised that I do actually have more news because Ben sent it to me directly on Facebook because he knows me too well. <laughs> 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 Which is uh, another game has been announced for the PlayStation Vita. Uh-huh. It's called Tokyo Tattoo Girls. Oh, It'll be arriving in North America and Europe on November 14th and November 17th, respectively. Right. It seems to be some kind of anime game where you um, make, uh, you draw tattoos on ladies. Okay. I'm going to send you uh, the picture that Ben sent me. And people can listen to responses here. In fact, I'm going to put it in this chat that has both uh, you and Paul in it without giving Paul any context. (laughs) 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 Actually, that would be good. Done. So, my... Oh, for fuck's sake! (laughs) Uh... Given that we got the press release for this, I'm assuming there's a good chance we'll get a review code for it. Oh. In which case, I look forward to my daily commute. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so the the picture is your uh, your your busty anime lady, but she's uh, got her, you know, she's lying on a bed. She's got her back towards us, and somebody has drawn. They've done like tattoo designs um, just to kind of show you the idea. But the main thing that they've done is a tattoo of what I can only describe as kind of black rotten broccoli, <laughs> and it it's covering her butt cheeks. Yeah, and a, well, yeah. slightly above, but yeah, it's, slightly it's above, that but area. It, it, yeah, it's it's just about to cover the crevice. Oh God, this is this game is <laughs> apparently already out on Steam. It's listed under nudity games. That's a good start. Um, it's a strategy video game, apparently, Strat- according, according to Wikipedia. Uh, the game is set in Tokyo after ca- a catastrophe has isolated the city and inhabitants to survive from the rest of the world. In an effort to maintain peace, the city is divided into 23 wars, each controlled by a group called Akumi. The 23 Kumi form the Union, which is rumoured must be defeated for escape from Tokyo to be possible. This doesn't sound like any... What? <laughs> oh, so it sounds like it's more of a strategy RPG and this weird nudity tattooing thing is just like part of it. Looks like maybe it's like the level up system almost. Right. Like the tattoos are like abilities that you... Oh man. This game looks bizarre how is this a thing uh, I don't know uh, well it comes out in November so if I remember about it and I won't uh, there'll maybe be a review of it <laughs> excellent so is that it is that all the news that you've got after yeah, you've, yeah, um... was, I just forgot about that until I looked up that uh, that mask game was a adult Japanese yeah I think it would have actually been better if you just sent that picture to Paul direct without being in the group chat that we have. I, feel like I might have done that at some point already. <laughs> <laughs> have it turned into a poster and just showed up at his house. <laughs> oh, bizarre. Japan, oh. never stop. No, please don't. I can't wait until so... the Vita dies and all these games start coming out on the Switch. 
Yeah. Oh, we don't want the, Wii, the Vita to die. Oh, I love my Vita, but also I've not used it in a while. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. A lot of those games are just coming out of the Switch now. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, cool. So, I think that's about it. If you want to send us an email, you can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Glitch Free Gaming. We have a Facebook page there, and Ben updates it whenever we add new uh, reviews and stuff for the website um, I think we still update it when we put the podcast out I'm not 100% sure yeah, it gets automatically updated oh right That's spoilers cool. humans are not spoilers that process. <laughs> and um, it's a pity the humans are involved in the recording of the podcast I know right <laughs> uh, yeah if you want to follow us on twitter you can follow us at glitchfreegame and don't bother about instagram because we don't bother either so save your energy cool is there anything else that you want to insert Starcraft 2 is really good yeah I'll give you that and I need to I need to turn off my Facebook messenger burn it (laughs) (laughs) that woman's butt cheek is winking at me oh that's nasty but you shouldn't wink. No, they shouldn't. And um, on that note, we'll see you again next week. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>